Hello and welcome back to uh, Lowercase J. Is that what we called it? Lowercase J? Cool. Um, it's been about a week. We're finally getting a good release schedule going. I'm Don, that's Samara. Um, hey everyone. How is London? London is good. Really getting back to normal um, in terms of everything. But I'm fleeing the country and going to a secret destination tomorrow, which will be revealed in next week's podcast. Um, but I'm excited to leave London. I've almost been a month by myself, sort of just in isolation. Um, and it has been interesting. Uh, but it's nowhere near what I'm hearing about Melbourne and I'm thinking of everyone in Melbourne because I read an article um, saying that people who are living in Melbourne have spent over 100 days in lockdown this year. So that's pretty interesting stuff. Dom, how is the US of A? Well, I did just want to say normally people do uh, show promos for next episode at the end. But um, if you want to get yours out of the way with your secret destination reveal uh, at the start, that's also cool. Um, America's been good. This is actually my final day of my two weeks of ISO before I'm allowed to head out and see the world and take it by its horns and whatever. Uh, so it's been a long two weeks, uh, lots of Netflix, but uh, ready to finally go out. Classes are starting on Monday. Um, which will be nice to attend in person for about two weeks and then the university will change its mind. But we will see how that goes. My expectations are low and I have no idea how it's actually going to end up. It's going to be really interesting, but I'm glad that I guess some of your classmates things are coming back and everything seems like it's sort of slowly getting there. You'd hope so. I mean... I didn't really fly halfway across the country to do what I was doing back in Australia, but we will see. I mean, <laughs> it might turn out that way, though. We just don't know. I mean, oh, no, it will. Like, I'm, I've, I'm reserved to that fact by now. <laughs> We're not going to last long. <laughs> All right, so, well, I'm glad to hear it. What have we got in store for today? What are the stories? Well, there's been quite a few things going on this week, both big news and also small news that have just caught our eyes. Uh, the thing that's happening... I wouldn't say, like, as we speak, because it's, like, still morning in the U.S. time, but uh, the Democratic National Convention's been going on the last few days. Uh, Lots of guest speakers. It's the first online remote version of such, and it's been quite a sight to see. Lots of different things. What have you noticed so far? The DNC was very interesting. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on, especially this year's, I guess, to project the right message. And you could really see that they were um, taking from some of the presumed mistakes from last election and really driving home a different message this time, which was interesting. Um, They definitely got a lot wrong. I thought Stephen Colbert's commentary on it was really funny. Um, He called out different people like Bill Clinton, um, because Bill Clinton had a speech actually at the DNC that basically lectured Trump on oval office behavior, which (laughs) honestly, if he had to talk about anything, uh, oval office etiquette really probably isn't the one for Clinton to talk about. Um, What can you do? That's the uh, DNC for you. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Colbert basically also went after... uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I think I'm pronouncing it probably 
we, they call her AOC. She's a real powerhouse for the Democrats and she has a very high popularity rating. And they gave her genuinely one minute um, to talk at the entire convention. So I also thought that was quite interesting. And as much as I think the Democratic Party has a lot to offer America, there were definitely a few different uh, interesting things that they certainly messed up there. Uh, what did you think about it? Um, well, I'm just seeing how Twitter's summarizing it. I mean, I've been following it a bit from the start. Um, interesting set of like uh, speakers that they've chosen like from the crowd, essentially, like this one security guard that took a selfie with Joe Biden in an elevator one time gave a speech that was about as long as AOC's uh, endorsing him. Right. And sure, why not, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm also seeing that uh, when Joe Biden tweeted out that it was an honor of his life to accept the Democratic nomination for president, um, Obama said, congrats, Joe, I'm proud of you. So it's good to see that Obama actually remembers that Joe's running for president because he's kind of avoiding that a lot from what I've seen. Yeah, he really is, it seems. I mean, uh, it was a lot actually to get Obama's support for Joe as the ticket. And I think it's a, I mean, there's full on memes about it. And I think this is a widely known fact that it's very much appears that Joe is the more invested one in the relationship between them. Um, he's always like, posting this happy friendship day post with Obama and I'm pretty sure uh, I think it was friendship day he posted like happy friendship day to my best friend uh, and Obama posted one with Michelle so <laughs> uh, I just think that there's a little bit you know Joe's way more into the relationship than Barack is but pretty interesting there and I think that same post came like days after Obama was, like, trying to squeeze his way out of an answer to giving Joe Biden an endorsement. It's like, will yes, you endorse exactly. Biden? And he's like, well, oh, 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 uh, oh, gee, look at that over there. Like, that kind of thing. And so... Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was good for uh, Obama to deliver this uh, beautifully written tweet uh, towards Joe to give his endorsement. I've just realised, have we done a pod since Kamala Harris got uh, nominated as the VP candidate? Yeah, I was actually just about to bring that up. What do you think of that pick? Quite interesting, actually, in my opinion. I feel as if it feels very expected. Like, uh, it's kind of really? been brewing. For, well, yeah, it's kind of been brewing for a while. I think he said, like, months ago he's going to choose a woman. So, like, judging by the field, it was kind of either going to be her or Klobuchar. And, uh, you know, if you had to take a pick out of the two as, like, who would be more likely, it was probably going to be Harris. So it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I don't know that much about her, but uh, I'm sure in the next three months of living in this country, I'll be able to see how everything unfolds. Well, yeah, it came actually as a massive surprise for a lot of people. The pick of Kamala. Um, everyone thought that he was going to go with someone more centrist, um, like him in ideology. So it was quite interesting when he picked Kamala because she is known as an extremely liberal senator, one of the most liberal senators uh, at the moment. So that was quite interesting. But she really, she wants to, uh, sorry, she's beaten in politics for the same amount of time as Trump. Uh, but she's also got, obviously, a lot of uh, legislative background and she was in law beforehand as uh, an attorney so 
I think she's a good pick, and as you also mentioned, she is she did run uh, for the ticket for president, so she's a known person, which I think was important, and I think it's great to have that diversity uh, for him, and she's also uh, a very good uh, candidate when it comes to policies, in my opinion. So yeah, but I think. <laughs> You said that she was a, a notable like name and face to the American people. Uh, do you know who Tim Kaine is? Um, no. Exactly. That was Hillary's choice for VP, and no one remembers who the hell I he is. I always thought that. That's what I mean. I like. No one remembers. No one. I didn't even know she picked a VP. That was genuinely how it was. It was literally just like. It was literally like Arrested Development, just like, who? Every time that person's brought up, like, just like... No, seriously. Oh, my God. And I think, honestly, if she had have had a, maybe a stronger VP and people saw it like that, because there were a lot of people on the fence about voting for Joe, people that were more liberal. Um, obviously, a lot of people on the right and the people on the centre who liked Joe for his policies. But I think Kamala will be able to bring in those people that were on the fence about Joe, and uh, hopefully that happens. But we'll just see with this election. Who knows, honestly. Oh, it's going to be so funny. Like, uh, I'm again, because I'm lazy, I'm just been reading. Exactly. I've been reading through the... uh, the Twitter moments summarizer of like what's been happening for DNC because I can't be bothered doing independent research. And it's literally just all these random people saying like, I'm going to be addressing the DNC soon. It's like the world's most boring Coachella lineup. It's just <laughs> literally like half these people like don't even know. It's just like, that's right. I know you've heard the rumors. I know everyone, everyone's talking about it. I will be addressing uh, for 90 seconds. And it's just, it's just too much. Like pick like two people. Yeah, I I actually agree with you on that one. He, there needs to be some... Uh, they can't make mistakes. I think there's no room for error at this year's DNC, but clearly there's been a few already, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so apart from that, there hasn't been that much news going on, just more little stuff that I've noticed and I just wanted to bring up just because I'm bored. Um <laughs> By the way, did you see the Herald Sun article that ranked the top 20 wags of the AFL? Because I think that's very important. I briefly scanned it, but my attention span couldn't, you know, grapple on for that long to that article. How do you feel about it? Well, first of all, I think I need to translate to the newly discovered American audience. Um, basically AFL, Aussie rules football wags stands for wives and girlfriends. So it's the wives of, and girlfriends of the athletes and the Herald Sun, a uh, uh, Melbourne based newspaper absolutely loves to, uh, write stories on them as if it's their own reality show and the people always get angry. It's like, dude, literally no one cares. Why do you keep like cramming this down? Like, and American folks, that's one minute of your life you will not get back. Exactly. And we're only going to keep going, so just buckle yourselves in. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, their tweet got absolutely ratioed when they posted it the other day. It was just like literally no one cares. Why do you keep posting this stuff? And, yeah, so they've given us the top 20. Uh, there was one, the when you actually open the link, that I actually give you the top 20. They just give you like a video that kind of summarizes it. Um, can you guess who the number one, like, consensus, quote-unquote, A-lister was that they gave? I genuinely 
off the top of my head, couldn't name one wag. I mean, I they're so D-list, but please, pray tell. But this one says A-list. It's Rebecca Judd. Oh, fair, yes. We did love a bit of Beck Judd in the mix. <sighs> See, A-lister, though? Absolutely not. The, Any wag is a D-lister, in my opinion. I'm sorry, but it's just that, Like, the, the like, uh, fill-in... Where the person for nine years is to A-lister. Oh, God. I mean, it's true. Even the, concept, even the concept of a wag for me is just completely outdated. But it's also, as I said, nice to revel in some of the, the very deal of this gossip that is Melbourne's weird socialite scene. It really is, and Instagram definitely doesn't help at all. Um, no. Which is a great segue because thank God we're getting out of that topic. Um, to Chloe Kardashian, I think we've all seen the wow. photo by now. Did you like wow. that segue? I really did. Yes, yeah. and what I like even more is the side by side comparison. I don't know if anyone's seen this. I'm sure a lot of people has, uh, but if not, Google it or put a link in the show notes. Basically. Uh, Chloe Kardashian a few months ago, about a month ago, posted this photo online and basically on Instagram, it appeared that she had quite a new face. Uh, she was very notice- noticeably different looking. Um, and everyone assumed that even in ISO, she'd gotten some doctors to come around, for some surgery, uh, some different things done. People did also accept the fact that there was probably a bit of Photoshop in the mix there, but... You know, people also thought, wow, she's really, she's gone and done that, basically full face transplant type vibe. Uh, but the recent trailer for the new season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians came out and revealed, uh, because there was a, basically a video of the interview from when that photo was taken, that she had really photoshopped the hell out of that photo. Like, it's not, it looks like two different people. Don't thoughts on this. Well, I know everyone's waiting to hear my thoughts on this topic, as they always are. Um, I always love the opinion of a man about a woman's opinion. No, I'm kidding. It's not really about that, to be honest. It's about Photoshop and just the Kardashians and everything like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, basically, I, as someone who, and this might shock you, doesn't follow the Kardashians on Instagram or anything like that, I literally had not seen Chloe since that photo. And it's been, like you said, a couple of months. So I just naturally assumed my uh, sweet, naive brain just thought that, like, oh, she's had uh, radical plastic surgery and everything like that. Uh, okay, like, you know, good on her, power to her kind of thing. Oh, Had not seen her in months. Yeah. And then the comparison photo popped up. And I'm like, good Lord, whoever photoshopped that was working eight-hour shifts for weeks <laughs> trying to change it oh, that much. Yeah. I mean, it's good to point out that it's not the first time the Kardashians have been pulled up on their Photoshop sales. Uh, the Kylie Jenner, Kendall Jenner, Kim Kardashian, almost every single one of them have been caught Photoshopping their photos, you know, dragging waist in to look smaller, um, making noses smaller, lips bigger, etc., like that. And I think to a certain degree, it's hard to find a photo on the internet that isn't retouched. It's so easy to access these apps and everything these days. But uh, I think the problem lies in the fact that obviously a lot of people look 
towards these people for inspiration. And if the photoshopping isn't that major, that's just next level. I mean, honestly, it's it's pretty insane. I mean, this is all back to the beauty standards debate, how, like, um, when Kylie Jenner appeared in the music video that shall not be named, um, <laughs> everyone was... <laughs> Um, everyone was saying like, uh, you can't really idolize this person. She's got the best body that money can buy. And it's just like, I mean, it's true, but you shouldn't say it, you know, kind of thing. But I mean, it is true. I mean, it's a bad example to really set for the younger generation, especially because I know a lot of people that are our age tend to Photoshop their own images on Instagram, which is definitely not a good look and it's just not yeah, worth in the long sure. run. No, definitely. I think it's hard to find, you know, some people love to airbrush here and there, but there's levels and I think Chloe really crossed the line there and it's going to be hard for people to take her seriously after this because I do feel bad as well for her thinking that she needs to look that way. Like that's, that's, it clearly, you know, when people do that, it sort of does show where their insecurities lie and she's clearly, um, not like happy and obviously a lot of people everyone on this earth has insecurities but that's really a new level I think and I feel bad for the woman to be honest um well her bank account I don't feel bad for but yeah I, I see what you mean yeah yeah well, there's just... only so much that surgery can do because honestly the level of photoshop on this photo it's like she would have to basically chop half her jaw off or something to get to that oh yeah i i genuinely couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah but you'd be surprised i mean there's so many influences i follow this really good page that i would recommend to anyone actually who is on social media it's called um social media versus reality and it is basically side-by-side images of what people post on their Instagram and then the real life photo of them and I think it's good to constantly remind ourselves that what we see on Instagram is not real and it's definitely an augmented uh, reality so yeah and having said that if I ever get rich one day I'll absolutely spend money on Photoshop and plastic surgery so uh, this whole conversation was redundant. Uh, I'm why glad it's <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? If you if you can, then you will. You know. Oh, it's just classic getting ahead of the story. You know. Yeah, exactly. Might as well show my side of it and everything. Honestly, you could have sold that information to the Daily Mail, but you chose not to. So I'm for the people. I always have been. <laughs> Moving on. What else do we have? Uh, the pool party in Wuhan. Now, you didn't know about this until just before the show started. There was a I massive... Know, and then I was traumatized when I Googled it. Yes. So, there was a massive water park party uh, in Wuhan. Everyone was on floating... Well, not everyone, but most people on floating devices. The photos that have come out of it looks like thousands of people were there. Um, and the interesting thing about the CNN article is there's been no mention of, like well, it's okay that Wuhan's cases are going down. They just don't really mention that. I don't know whether that's the cases aren't really being made public or whatever, but it's very interesting to see that uh, ground zero of uh, coronavirus, as it's being called, is this relaxed with their big functions, whereas the rest of the world clearly isn't. Um, so you already said you were traumatized. What other thoughts do you have on it? Well, 
looking at the photos, it genuinely looks like like these images to me now, after so many months of, you know, the pandemic, these images are so foreign and to think that they were taken just merely days ago, it's like just insane for me. Um, look, I think it's more that this was where the virus originated from and people who have lost loved ones, people who have uh, still been inside for months on end. I mean, I to see that it, that, which is a place that where people, you know, where it originated from, it's just quite, uh, it's frustrating almost. But then another side of me says, well, we do need to start to move on. But I think this, looking at the, I mean, I'm just scrolling through them now, even as we speak, is just... I mean, it doesn't even look fun. Like, take the pandemic out of it. Just yeah, like that many people in the one pool. Like, that's just not even fun. It genuinely doesn't. Like, I just, I don't understand what the appeal is of this sort of Coachella on absolute steroids. <laughs> it's so crazy. Fireworks and everything. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I mean,. It's hard because they've been in lockdown from, I mean, their, their lockdown was lifted in April, actually. So. Yeah, they were really strict about the uh, lockdown over there. They were, but then it lifted quite early. Um, so that's quite interesting. Um, it says they had six new cases in May, uh, and the city went pretty much back to normal. But. Like with any country, and I'm not just saying this is with China, I think some of the statistics and stuff have definitely uh, been tampered with, but that's just an allegation. I'm not, I'm not sure of that. Clearly got financial interest in mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, this sort... I think, every, I think every government to some extent doesn't know how many cases there are, but I think... This is too far for them. I think these photos emerging, it just, it just looks, it looks like madness. No, it's true. And like when I see articles like this, like the CNN reporting on like this big pool party, it like my mind always straight away goes to the like uh, small town journalists in America who want to get the big story by like exposing uh, gatherings in American towns, and it's like them trying to go viral in themselves, and it's like they always try and take like the moral high ground. It's so annoying. Like, and I've noticed like a lot of student journalists are doing it as well. Just like, I'm going to be the one that goes viral. This is going to be the launch pad of my career. Like they don't actually care about the big gathering. It's like, do you know how many retweets I'm going to get from this? And which is crazy. Cause like your college kids, you're not exactly like, you know, intellectually and morally superior to everyone else. just cause you, attend journalism school and by someone oh, who does if you're a journalism if you're a journalism student then you are definitely following intellectually superior see here's, talk here's the thing as a journalism student in america i know that we're nerds and losers like i'm at least accepting to that <laughs> but it's like when you do the whole moral high ground like giving america a stern lecture says the 19 year old in his uh, college apartment it's like that's what people don't like about journalists the whole getting up on their high ground like i'm smarter than you when really like i mean i'm dumb and i'm starting journalism so like that really makes you think about who you're dealing with here that's not true dumb oh my goodness but oh yeah, stop I at think, you 
But no, that's the whole point. It's people trying to do that. Exactly. And like with all these colleges coming back, that's when the student journalists are going to be like, I'm the one saving democracy. Dude, you're 19. Like no one's looking. You can have a drink with friends. Okay. It's going to be fine. You know, and it's just so annoying to see, see this all the time. And it's already started and we haven't even started classes over here. So, um, that's my rant. I want to get your opinion. Well, yes. I mean, with that said, uh, to counter your opinion, there is definitely a second wave coming. And while there has been about 21 million cases worldwide, um, South Korea, which sort of seems to have contained the virus, um, now are facing waves of new cases, um, as well as we've seen in our own home state of Melbourne, um, even London, New Zealand, there's really a second wave coming. So uh, Wuhan as well, better watch out for that, in my opinion. I mean, I wish them well, but if they're going to have this massive gathering of people, that's really the most effective way to spread the virus. See, I'm not saying that, like, college kids should gather in massive parties. I've never, like, even think about doing anything like that with this current climate. But just, like, the whole... Like, if you leave your house, I'm going to have a really cool Twitter thread that exposes the dangers of college. It's like, you've got 200 followers, like, you know, (laughs) have a beer. (laughs) Yeah, and it's tough for us, you know. I mean, obviously, it's completely a first world sort of problem, but these are our university years, and they're not meant for staying in our childhood bedrooms doing university classes. Mm. That's not what it's about. So there really does have to be a line of not being paranoid and actually living out your youth because you only had so many years to do that. You can't get those years back, you know. You can't be 27 and be like, well, my uni days were wasted with COVID, so now I'm doing, you know, a front party now. You know, these are our years to do that sort of thing. And I think that we can't – there's a line. We can't be too paranoid about uh, this – whole situation and uh just stay in our room all day essentially no exactly and like going back to the whole like journalism side of it i'm not obviously supporting the people who like continue to uh break restrictions everything like that that's you know please abide by the rules but it comes back to the whole point where it's like they are so annoyed by journalists uh telling them what's it like not just presenting the facts just like saying like as a journalist and someone who writes good i can like i can be the moral arbiter of this situation and tell you exactly what to do if they just simply like presented the facts and like try and have some sort of like human connection with the audience i feel as if a lot more people would like apply themselves to the situation but right now when it's just like oh these like you know 25 year olds are just uh constantly telling us what to do, then at that point they feel like the common man would feel the need to rebel, which, again, I'm not endorsing, but I feel a lot of that falls back on the journalism students where it's like, you're not exactly better than everyone else just because you went to a journalism school. Like, you've got to at least take a step back and realise what other people are feeling right now. And I feel as if student journalists need to realise that now because not only are they alienating people by taking, uh, well, at least viewing themselves as taking the moral high ground, they're also never going to get invited to a party again. Like, that's just how it's going to go. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, if that's the grade they want to take for themselves, then so be it. Hey, by all means, go ahead, okay? Now, I, I wouldn't, but that's me. If you would like to stay in your room without a virus, like, that's up to you. 
yeah, it's up to them whether they want to be like that, but I'm sure they'll look back on these years and definitely have some regrets. But by all means, people should be careful, and I think that smaller groups will definitely limit the spread of this this thing. All right, absolutely, yeah, it's a weird situation. Anyway. Very. Speaking of weird situations, that's another good segue. If you like these segues, please email in. Um, <laughs> if you want to hear more. <laughs> email donations, please. <laughs> if you've got your own segue you'd like to pitch. Um, yeah, genuinely. I'm already running out. Um, <laughs> Samara, I've got a business proposition for you. Pray tell. Well, me. well, I don't, but Kanye does. <laughs> I mean, I'm investing. I just want to see if you are too. Um, two days ago... Kanye tweeted this out. I don't know if you've seen this yet. He he tweeted this out. A vision just came to me. Jesus talk. Thought so far. Um, speechless. Yeah, keep going, please. Is there is there a lot of information? Oh, there is. I was watching TikTok with my daughter, and as a Christian oh. father. I was disturbed by a lot of the content, but I completely loved the technology. He continues with the second tweet. We pray we can collaborate with TikTok to make a Christian monitored version that feels safe for young children and the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one brief aside here. Both of those tweets were fully in cap in capital letters, um, which I feel as if uh, highlights the urgency of the situation and how we need to develop one ASAP. Um, Jesus talk in or out. Okay, I'm going in. Good, because I've already signed you up, by the way. Um, they're expecting content uh, pretty soon. Um, Do I have to make some sort of Bible declaration to sign up, or what are the deal? Like, what's the deal? I think, you know what? I think that it's a very good idea. And I'm going to take the controversial opinion and say that, I mean, I don't know about necessarily Jesus talk and. Uh, attaching an app like that to a religion, but I do think that there needs to be a cleaner version of TikTok and that the audience that is on it is extremely young and the content is, frankly, not that appropriate. I was actually at a pool um, a few months ago and I was just when I was stopping over in Sydney and there were these two girls it's like hotel pool and there were these two girls they were probably 10 years old and they were doing a TikTok dance in the pool in their bikinis and they were 10 and it was a very provocative sexualized dance and while I don't have a problem with you know, women embracing their femininity. I think when you're 10 years old, you definitely shouldn't be sexualized, especially when it's always through male gaze. And I just think that I've seen it multiple times and I've also seen on the app very young girls and boys as well um, doing things that they don't even necessarily know what they're doing, but that's on the internet forever. And I think it's a real issue. So I think in what Kanye is saying is right. I think his attachment to Jesus is maybe a little bit not uh, that inclusive of everyone, but what do you think, Dom? Well, you did say how it's like we do need an alternative version, and I feel as if with the whole, like, Trump considering shutting down TikTok in America, like, it's crazy to think about what we might actually get a redo with this whole thing. Like, you know that, like, all these TikTok influencers aren't just going to go away. They're going to flock to a new app. 
Now, right now, the leader in that race is these new Instagram reels, which I'll get your opinion on in a second. But yes, the race has already started, and it's the rare opportunity where you can actually get a redo with a popular app to like try and work out what went wrong with it eventually. Like, I wish Zuckerberg had probably had this around 2013 when uh, all the data stuff started to hit the fan, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's rare that, like, uh, like, an app like this gets a rare opportunity to really reassess and start from scratch. So I think they'll work out a lot of these kinks. Uh, you'd, you'd, hope, you'd hope at least. Um, but it's interesting to see that literally it's only really been Instagram that's kind of uh, trying to take TikTok for themselves by starting these reels. I want to get your thoughts on the reels. No, you're completely right. And I think the reels are interesting. I mean, Instagram has always taken the best aspects from apps and somehow gotten away from it, such as they stole stories from Snapchat, first of all, and that took off and they, people are making over a billion stories a day, um, which with some of the people I follow is completely believable. And uh, now they've taken Reels, which is basically what the best of TikTok. So, and they've got a lot of people to promote it on the app. So I'm thinking I do like it, but it's not the same as TikTok. What I liked about TikTok was that I could just scroll through and find Reels from that not reels, but like video content from random people, whereas Instagram, it's people you follow. So what do you think about reels? Uh, I'm hardly on Instagram, so I've only seen a bit of them. Um, uh, and also when you say that people post too much on my on their stories, so I shouldn't post my story anymore. I literally just figured out how to like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm just, I mean, I do get annoyed if it's 10 plus 15 stories and it's of random stuff that I'm not interested in. Oh, absolutely. Like when it's literally like the, you know, that little bar at the top that shows how many posts on stories, when it just turns into dots instead of lines, that's when it's like, okay, champ, like let's settle down here. Exactly. It's like, champ, please, we don't want to know about like your jet ski trip or. (laughs) Well, I know who you're following on Insta. Um. No, I think, um, but it's interesting. I think our generation is actually taking a bit of a step back from um, posting everything. And I disagree. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe it's just too much following. Anyway, well, I am the influencer of this podcast, and my opinion is people are posting too much, and they got to leave it to me. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so that's it for genuine, genuine topics, I guess. Well, let's just stick with that. Um, you've got us an email, a rare one. I do. I do have an email for us to discuss. Okay. The emails are always open, by the way. Always, always come in with your questions, queries, or concerns. Yes, we are always here to answer your questions with our extremely experienced heads and hearts. Um, sure, yep. So, <laughs> this is from an anonymous or someone who wants to remain anonymous. So, dear lowercase James, I am in a serious debacle. I am dating this guy, but I really am in love with his much younger brother, in brackets, 17. But 18 soon. 
we get on far better and the chemistry is definitely there. I know this is out of bounds, but help, what do I do? Thank you, concerned girlfriend. Anytime the phrase uh, soon to be 18 comes into question, <laughs> the alarms go off in my head straight away. Yeah, it's, uh, it's slightly questionable, isn't it? Yeah. For lack of a better phrase. I'd say I wouldn't do anything about the younger one just yet because, again, not 18 yet. But my first action would be clearly your, like, heart and mind isn't really with the current guy at the moment. So at least give that, I wouldn't say the boot, but just, like, really consider where you are there and then, you know, give it some time. Take some time away from the two of them. I assume they still live together being children i guess take some time away think about it and then if he's 18 or 19 or 20 or one of those ages and you still feel that way then at that point go ahead your thoughts yeah, the brother is always out of bounds like if you're dating one brother you cannot just move on like that is just not that's not even a thing even if it's a few years later i don't think that that's really acceptable yeah that's not a great uh christmas dinner kind of scenario 10 years down the road. Well, my true advice, though, to this listener is I find that, sure, you might think you have better chemistry with this person, you feel like you're more, you like him more, but just think that that's probably because you're not actually dating him. And think about the reality of when you are dating and what that will actually look like because it's always very different to be, you know, on the friendship friendship terms with this boy um, or just know him, like just see him around the house and things but not actually be dating him. I think that that's going to be a very different story and a very different type of relationship and, you need to, I guess, think about, like, the reality of what that would look like because we always romanticise in our heads what things would be. But when it actually comes down to, like, do you really want to be dating a 17-year-old boy? Like, they're not exactly the most <laughs> uh, mature of people to mm-hmm. Can't be hanging yep. out with when you're, you know, like 20 plus years old. And I think that once you look at the reality of the situation, you can then work out if it's actually practical or if it's just really a fantasy because it's not, because it's like the forbidden fruit. <laughs> forbidden fruit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this journalism school's really gotten to you. Yeah, like... It really is. <laughs> when, you, it. when you break it down, it doesn't really make much sense to pursue it anyway, so... And, like, when you're 17, like you said, people will change. Give them some time to mature. Let them see the world. Uh, Well, not now, um, but (laughs) eventually see the world. Uh, And then, yeah, choose from there. No need to make a decision just yet. Yeah. I think give it time and look at it in a realistic context and not in a sort of fantastical type situation. Because we all do that. Or we fantasize about things, but in reality, it can be very, very different. Speaking from the heart. Um, <laughs> and on that note, we might just wrap up the episode just there. A uh, couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Like we said before the email, the, the emails are always open. Come on in with your questions. You can pretend to be, 
you can pretend to be someone else and pose your friend's problem instead. Just anything, really. We'd love to hear it. Um, and we're going to start doing weekly episodes now. So the release schedule from now on will be around afternoon on a Tuesday America time, evening on a Tuesday London time, and during the night, I'd say probably Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning Australia time. We are truly a, a, what, a multi-continental podcast. Is that the right word? Yeah, that's what I call it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's 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 a talk of the streets. How we're really breaking down the barriers of the world. We'll, we'll bring people together in a time where things are hard. We hope That's this podcast totally finds you well. God's work. There's no other word for it. So. Yeah, in these trying times, we hope this podcast finds you well. Says every. <laughs> we do, and we are thinking about you all in Melbourne as well. Absolutely. But it'll be over very soon. No, no. Uh, 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 anyway, and on that lovely note, on we, that positive note, we will see you next Tuesday. See you then. Lovely. Yeah.